welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Sarah. So thankful for you guys. Thank you for all our team that gets here early every week and sets up and make this allows this this place to experience what we're going to experience this morning. How many of you were here last week? Just want to kind of like get a pulse in the room. About fifty percent, not even. I think forty percent. Wow. Well. Last week was very interesting, uh, but I don't want to say, like, even though we had, a, we had a lot of, like, tech issues last week, but I, I felt like something was spiritually going on in the room, but the testimonies I've been hearing this week out of last week has been so powerful, so encouraging, and I just want to encourage you today to really leave any distractions, you know, like, I know we all love our phones, you can follow along by taking notes on your phones and following your Bible, but I encourage you to just stay off social for a little bit or texting other people, just stay tuned with God, what God wants to do this morning. I really sense there's something special, and we talked about last week the topic of generosity, and I know that we, when we enter that topic, there's a temptation, there's, like, walls that sometimes, like, are being put up, you know, like we're going to talk about money, we're going to talk about these things, and at the end of the day, God really, I, I really sense that it's by, it's not by mistake that we we're walking into a revelation of generosity. If we believe all the promises for this house, if we believe for a building, if we believe for the things that God has for us, is because we really got to grab that revelation of generosity. And although, like, I can share 100 times from stage, Pastor Sean can share 2,000 times from stage, it's about a personal experience with Jesus that will unlock you to really understand and unlock us as a house because we want to move together in this season. Pastor Sean is talking about the sin of Achan and how that held the people from victory. And like Sarah said this morning, we are walking into victory into a season of victory. And I want us all together to, I want to see you on the other side. I want to see you on promise. And I want to see you encounter everything that Jesus has for us in this season. So a quick recap, if you missed last week, we talked about an expression of generosity. And I started diving. We only got a chance to go through the first verses of 2 Corinthians 9. And we only went like not even halfway through the chapter. And today we'll continue into that. So so that you're not missing the boat, we talked about in in verse 5, it says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go 
to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that I that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And we talked about what that matter of generosity is. Another translation that I read from Brazil talks about expression of generosity. And what does he mean for that? And what does an expression of generosity does to us? And we talked about quickly three things. Number one, it causes heart transformation. Jesus, when we are exposed to generosity, we're becoming more like him. God, ex he modeled generosity. He gave his best. He gave his son to us. So we talked about like he's preparing our hearts. He's sh shaping our hearts to be more like him. Ephesians uh, 5, 1 talks about us being imitators of Jesus. Uh, then we also talked about how the heart is the center of it all. And we encourage the house with doing the right thing in the right manner. It's not only important to do the right things in the kingdom of God, but it's also important to do them in the right manner. And then we moved along talking about how it creates impact. And we read a verse from Hebrews 11:4 that says, Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So his generosity, back in Genesis, back in the beginning, still has power, still speaking today. People are still being encouraged by his sacrificial offering back then. And then third, and we're going to go deeper into this point, it says that an expression of generosity prepares you for a revelation. And we talked about how our attitude determines the level of generosity that we have. And to go deeper into that, we said, like, I asked in the room, how many here believe that God is good? And then half of you said, raise your hand, although I was hoping the whole room, but it's okay. We'll get there. Uh, and then I asked, how many of you think God is severe? And 20, 25 per, uh, percent of you raised your hand. And Hebrew, Romans 11:22 says, notice how God is both kind and severe. He's both. But that depends on the continuation of the verse. So if you continue, he says, he's severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind if you continue to trust his kindness. If you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And Psalms 18 says, to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, Blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. And to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. And how that word shows is a revelation. So the way when you, you act and you're faithful, you're opening your hearts to experience a revelation of a God that is faithful. And today I want to continue to ex explore this and talk about an attitude of generosity as we go down the line and as we explore more of this chapter. But before going to 2 Corinthians, I want to take us to a story. Most of you are familiar with the multiplication of bread and fish. We're going we're to go to the second time that, that, that actually happened in the scriptures in Mark chapter 8. And I will explain you why we're going there before talking about an attitude of generosity. So follow along with me. Ten quick verses here. Water break before? As you open your Bibles, I see a mini Bibles. No, just kidding. Open your phones or follow on the screen. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come 
a long distance. His disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out, of, uh, out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? They answered, seven loaves. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the, uh, the bread to the crowd. And a few small fish were also found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day. And Jesus sent them home after they had eaten uh, immediately after this, he got into the boat with his disciples and crossed over the region of a beautiful name here that I won't say in English, Dalmanutha. Um, I read this fast, but I want to go back to this passage, pointing out a few things that I see here that can relate to an attitude of generosity. Number one, it's in the verse, uh, verse one, it says, about this time another large crowd had gathered. And people run out of food. Again, what is Jesus saying? And for us that are reading is that this happened before. And there was another crowd. So it's the second time. It's not the first time that it happened. It was nothing new to the disciples. The second thing that I want to point out is in verse 4 it says, And for me, apologies, apologies to the disciples. I think this is one of the dumbest questions we find in Scripture. Is verse 4. How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them in the wilderness. Honestly, a few chapters before, a few days before, you just experienced this. And they could have asked Jesus a lot of things. Oh, Jesus, you moved then. I remember when you moved. So maybe we can should go find some bread to feed this crowd, and maybe you can do what you did the last time. But instead, their question, like, lacked faith, and they said, how are we even supposed to feed them? What are we going to do? And sometimes I also find myself making, asking God stupid questions. We forget what God did before in our lives, and we're asking the same question as we have evidence that he moved before in our lives. Then, where it starts to get interesting, and I'll challenge you in a few things here. Verse 5. Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves. I believe they lied. And I'll try to prove you on scriptures that they didn't have seven, but they had eight loaves of bread. And I know. Silence in the room. You guys are questioning. I'm questioning the Bible. Eduardo's saying the Bible is not true. Let me just show you. We'll, we'll come back at this at the end. Uh, verse 6 uh, to eight, I'll read just the end of uh, verse 8. They ate as much as they wanted afterward. And pay attention at this. They picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. Um, verse 10, it says that they, after Jesus fed them, they went back to the boats. Let's take a look at what happens. Verse 14, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boats. So they answered Jesus, but they had seven. And I can imagine them, okay, people are hungry. We need to start. Let's split. Let's divide and conquer. Peter, you go there. How many, how many pieces of bread did you find? Oh, I found two. John, 
How many did you find? Oh, I found three. How many did you find here? And they started talking to each other, said, oh, maybe we have seven. And then one guy whispers to, to Judas, okay, I'll just blame on him anyways. <laughs> hey, we have that one piece of bread in the boats. He said, no, 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 shh, don't tell Jesus. Last time, he fed 5,000 with only five pieces of bread. We already have seven. Let's keep our food. I doubt that people forget after the three days without food that they had bread in the boat, that they could go back and eat it. I don't forget when I have ice cream in my freezer and then one day I go there and it's not even there anymore. So we remember the kind of stuff, especially when you're hungry, right? So they knew there was another piece of bread. And I imagine here, it's my first conspiracy theory in the Bible, is that five of them were involved in this. And says, let's keep and let's hide that piece of bread in our boat. So let's keep reading. Verse 15, as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, beware of the east of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they thought Jesus was confronting them for forgetting to bring bread. But let's continue to read. As they begin to argue with each other because they didn't bring any bread, I can imagine the frustration of Jesus saying, hey, why are you guys fighting about forgetting or just having one bread for 13 people? We've just been through a multiplication where five pieces of loaf fed 5,000 plus women and children. Then we literally seconds ago, we were just in a situation where 4,000 plus women and children were hungry and seven pieces of bread were enough to feed them. Why are you guys arguing with one? So I can, I can see how Jesus is like, you know, like being bothered by the situation and knowing something was going on, that conspiracy theory that was, uh, I was mentioning to you. So let's read verses 17 to 19. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, but can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When they fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftover did you pick up from afterwards? Twelve, they said. So, follow back with me. First time Jesus asked how many bread you have, seven. First multiplication, they had five bread. And they came back with how many baskets full? Twelve. Verse 20, and when they fed 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftover did you pick up from them? Seven. We're missing five here. Huh? What's the logic behind? First time, you feed 5,000, you're 12. Each one of you comes back with plenty leftover. Now, I've, we feed 4,000 plus, and we come back only with seven. I question, I'm not, I cannot say that but for sure, but I question if any of them, those five that were in the conspiracy of the missing bread, were hiding the bread, they didn't come back with plenty of it. Because when you, the, the same thing they've said, your attitude of generosity determines the level of revelation of God that you get. When you go out of your way and say, God, I'm going to trust you with what I have, 
God is always going to give you way more than enough. And this time they were hungry and five baskets. Verse 21, don't you understand yet? He asked them. So Jesus is saying, hello, wake up. This is how the chapter ends. So I, 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 I'd like to put myself in that moment and seeing what Jesus is saying to these people. What are you holding? And I want to encourage us that a, an attitude of generosity is really about exposing ourselves. And in an area like Jean was saying, you can test God, the Lord of hosts, to move in this area. And I'm just like fascinated that by this situation, I think something is what's taking place in their hearts here. Because number one, they forgot the miracle. Number two, it's not lining up, in, in my opinion. Don't you agree? First time you get 12, now you only get seven. Anyways, I want to talk today about three quick things and three quick instructions for us to really activate this attitude of generosity in our lives. And number one is we got to honor the Lord. And there's so much blessing be, behind the honor. And I want to go back to our passage, verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. If you missed last week, you want to go deeper, watch uh, on YouTube. Uh, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And I want to take to another passage that talks about this expression of generosity that you maybe heard uh, many times before. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. And many times when we hear this passage, we're thinking about the consequence that's going to happen when we give. And we make the consequences the purpose of our gifts. And I want to say that although this passage is used many times during an offering verse, this is not about an offering verse. It's about a heart. And it's about understanding the principle here and the purpose behind this verse, which was bring honor to God. Honor His name. The consequences will be the consequences. There's a blessing behind. But we cannot be so focused on the blessing that we miss the purpose that we're trying to achieve here. And again, go back to what we said last week. Do the right thing in the right manner. Aligning our hearts to the original goal and intent in the hearts. So we're going to talk about which I think it's one of characteristics and one book that I would encourage you to read if you haven't read from Danny Silk. It's called Culture of Honor. Really good book. Talks about the culture of honor uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, and what is honor? I'll get a few definitions from him and some others that I've been digging this week. I've been really focusing on honor. And I want us to really understand what honor is this morning. Honor when we worship Jesus. Honor when we're here this morning just exalting the name of Jesus. What is honor? And honor is to glory in, to promote, to elevate another status. So when we elevate the name of Jesus, we're honoring him, to give prestige to somebody. It's a sign of a great respect 
and admiration, and it's realizing there is something special with someone, and then that something carries value. So when you see value in someone, you can begin to grasp the value of honor. Did you know, and I, I know we sometimes mention as we approach the House of Hearts offering, and Pastor Sean usually does a financial series. He talks about how much Bible talks about uh, prayer and how many times Bible talks about money. But I want to go even deeper. Do you know how many times combined Bible talks about faith and prayer? In about 500 verses. Finances, belongings, and riches, it's mentioned in 2,350 verses. Because like we talked last week, Jesus knew that if we gave a revelation, the only thing other than him that God calls Lord in the Bible is mammon. And he knew when we were above this, when we were able to talk about this topic in the least complicated way, when we talked about how generosity is not supposed to be complicated, when we win over this Lord, when we conquer that space, we have freedom to receive revelation from him. But it's something that it's, it's such a, like a topic that people, when you start talking, I can see fear coming into people's minds. How are they going to ask by, for my money? How much are they going to ask? There's so much trauma, but God knows how much of the hearts that money gets sometimes. That's why it says the love of money, it's like something we need to despise, not money itself. Okay, we're good? We're good? So almost half of Jesus' parables also involves finances. But I'm going to go deeper into some principles here that we understand that more than even finance, so we, we conquer the Lord, so now we're in a position to honor God how he deserves that honor. I want to encourage you guys with some things, some thoughts that I've been meditating on this week about honor and what honor really is. Number one thought, the presence of God only moves in an environment of honor. Jesus did so many miracles and encouraged us to do so many miracles. But there was a place that Jesus didn't do as many miracles. Matthew 13, 57, 58. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his own family. And, and so he did only a few miracles because of their unbelief. So in an environment of honoring so if you're not in that environment, you're not attracting God's miracle. You're not attracting an experience with God. You're not attracting the move of God, the presence of God. So if you carry honor, that's how you attract the presence of God. Amen? Everybody awake? Every principle you honor, honors you. Every principle you break, breaks you. If God gives you a, a word, even though it may make no sense, and you honor that, and you obey, blessing is going to come. So we really cannot forget. And sometimes, like, we are challenged by leaders, people that God placed in their hearts, and they're encouraging us, hey, I feel from God, like I, God spoke to me, move this way as well. When you honor and you position your heart in honor. You're allow, allowing that honor to promote you, to honor you. And the same thing, God is not going to leave you hanging. 
If he said so to you, he said, hey, go and share my word with that person. He really needs prayer this morning. He will honor and he will move in healing when you go. So we got to start moving with that honor and understanding that every principle we honor, and it's in the little things, guys. It's like, honestly, showing up here early. Showing up here for 9.30, I loved seeing how today is like even like full from the beginning of the experience. And I can tell you, it made such a huge difference than last week. When we come together, when like we make this priority, like 9, 9.27, when doors open, I'm going to leave any chatter that I can do. I can do that after the experience. I'm going to come in. I'm going to worship. I'm going to honor the time that I assign. We value time so much these days. That is even hard because we're, we're paid by the hour. We know how much an hour is worth for us. So for us to give time, sometimes it's even a sacrifice being here on a Sunday morning. It's a sacrifice for you. So really, like, honor is in the little things. We can l- honor little principles, and honor is going to follow you. Another thing that I want to encourage you with honor, there's no partial honor. Either you honor or you don't. It's like pregnancy. Nobody can be half pregnant. Either you're pregnant, you're, there's life inside of you, or you're not. Same thing happens with honor. We just got to do it. You know, there's no wall. And God, if there's one thing that he despises, is the lukewarm. It's the one that is in the wall, in between. Oh, I'm honoring today. My leaders, the word that God gave me, on Monday, I'm not honoring that so much anymore. The first challenge came my way. I'm not going to decide to honor this. No, honor, it's something either you carry or you don't. And honestly, it happens. Honoring when you agree, easy. True honor comes when some, some, someone is going to say something to you or God's going to say something to you that contradicts something that is inside of you and you decide to honor no matter what. Because honestly, being loyal and honoring when you agree, it's so easy. But how about just trusting God? He knows. He sees better than you. He sees the bigger picture. He sees what's next. This may not, this season may not make sense for you. But when you decide to trust and put ahead him for, to the forefront of your mind and say, God, I trust you that you will move, he's going to move. And he's going to come for you and he's going to act in your way. I love that when it comes to money, I find myself guilty with that too. Like we make calculations. Oh, how much am I going to give? You know, like this month I make this. I had this extra income, so I'm going to need to give 10%. We make calculations, but when we expect to receive from God, we want to receive it all. We want to receive abundance. But when we give, when it comes time to give, we're making all these calculations. That's why Jesus is worthy of it all. We got to just put their position. Jesus, you deserve all honor, no matter what. And it's honestly in the little things. And one thing that I'm very grateful, I said this before from the platform, is that my, my parents actually taught me this principle of giving very young. And I remember when I was in sixth grade, uh, our family wasn't doing too good financially. And I was in a school in Brazil. Most good schools are private schools. And I knew the sacrifice that my parents were making to allow me to be in that school. But I'd see all of my friends would travel abroad every year. 
Because, man, some things in Brazil are too expensive. So, like, they would go out and buy clothing, buy a lot of things abroad from the U.S. and just bring it, all, bring it on. And I, I was looking to my friends. Everybody would travel every year and say, man, how are they able to afford that? I, I was thinking that as, like, a, an 11-year-old, or I don't even know, like, sixth grade, how old you are. But I, those things started to come through my mind. But since my parents taught me this principle, I remember when... Jesus came into my life with 13 years old, and he said, I'm going to change your life. And I continue to trust that, that principle. And every year since 2003, and today we're 2023, 20 years, every single year, I think except for 2021 because it's the midst of the pandemic, I've traveled abroad. I've been to different nations. So it's in the little things that you decide to honor God and he honors those desires because I love traveling. It's something that I see so much value when you learn for someone's culture while you're singing. I'm not in Brazil anymore. I'm here in Canada because I believe what God has for this nation. So really, like, it's about honoring and God, man, he's, gonna, he's ready to bless you. He wants to bless you even though it make, makes no sense. I was telling this to someone like the other, or even last week when I was sharing that, the testimony from the guy that gave when we were at Liberty University. 11 of our students graduated from, like, our class of graduation was 18 people. 11 of us came to study abroad when the currency exchange rate wasn't its highest and it peaked and it didn't make sense to go abroad and study. God made way for us all to study in the U.S. and God brought provision. So, it's not about making sense. It's about understanding the principles and honoring those principles and following those principles, and God will come through for you, and he will do it. He did it in my life, and he can do it in yours. And I know a lot of people here in this room experience already the blessing for understanding, for caring so much of attitude, of generosity, that God is blessing your business, your lives. But remember, it's not about the consequences. It's about putting what's first first. Number two principle, which is aligned with number one, which is my point number two for today, is honor others. Because that's what Jesus did, and that's what God does for us. We're going to read verses 8 to 11 of 2 Corinthians 9. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, and, attention of this, plenty left over to What's the purpose? Share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered. That's the impact. Forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And what? Then bread to eat. Look at the priority orders. First come the seeds. You trust God with the seeds. And then comes provision. Everybody here. Every month you're going to receive enough breath, uh, bread and seeds. The thing that God can multiply, even though we read about multiplication of bread, God multiplies seeds. That's what he does. And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So something is happening, a revelation of generosity is happening in you. And yes, you will be enriched in every way so that, another purpose, you can be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. You're turning hearts of the people. And I love that we read this verse, and I don't need to go back there, but I'm quickly going to 
the last statement of verse 2, it says, Your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Your generosity is going to do something in people's hearts. That they're going to begin to experience that. They're going to begin to experience. And it's, man, so important that we're honoring others. Who does the Bible call us to honor? I'm going to give you a quick list here. And we don't need to go, I'm not going to dive into all these verses, but if you can take a, 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 a picture of the screen, if you don't believe me, God called us to honor kings, parents, wives, widows, leaders, and all people, everyone. You are worthy. You have so much gold inside of you. You got to understand that you have value. If you're here today, if you're standing, is that God loves you and he wants to honor you. He wants to encounter with you. He desires an encounter that will change you forever. And I want to go deep, and we're going to almost finalize with this, uh, this passage. Actually, before I go into that, I just want to say when you honor others, you also honor God. Matthew 25, 4, 40 says, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whenever you did one, did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Parable of the sheep and the goats. When we honor others, when we honor the people that God placed in our life, your friends, someone new that walks from that door, when you honor them, you're doing into God. That honor is also coming to God. You're accomplishing number one and two together. And we are so called for this, and Jesus modeled that so well. And this is the passage that I want to dive in deep for us to understand this. John 9, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 and then 6 to 7. says, As Jesus was walking alone, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Was it was not because of his sins or parents' sins, Jesus answered. And he's going to go later to show me it's for the glory of God to be manifested. But skipping a few verses, it says, Jesus here, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Solom. Uh, that means sense. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. I love this miracle. There's so much power in this miracle. And it's amazing what Jesus do. But I want to go even deeper. Did you know, and this is according to the scholars, that back at those days, any blind man, they thought it was a curse or a sin. And everybody that walked through a blind person as they were like on their way to work, what they used to do, spit on the ground. So I can see how the sound of shame every time you hear someone spitting on the ground could create in your heart. More and more shame for my condition. More and more shame reminding you that you're blind, that there's sin in your hearts. But one day, Jesus decides to come. And using that same sound, he says, you're going to hear this sound for the very last time in your life. And here it goes. And instead of shame, every time you hear this again, it will remind you of the honor and of your healing. And that I honor what I called you for. You are precious. You have value. I don't see the sin. I see your hearts. 
And many times we carry conditions, we carry shame in our hearts. Saying, I'm not worthy of going to the next level, you know. I'm a failure. We have all these thoughts in our hearts. And I really pray that this morning is a morning that we can encounter Jesus who's ready to change us that condition. So that's why when we present ourselves into a moment of worship every week, we're just creating that opportunity saying, Jesus, I need that encounter with you to remind about the sound of your voice, to remind me of the sound of transformation that you have to bring into my life. Amen? Number three, and we'll close. Last few verses on this chapter. So, Two good things will result, and number three is the consequences of generosity. And that's why I don't want to focus too much, but I want to let you know that there are good consequences out of your generosity, out of your attitude of generosity. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of their ministry, they will give glory to God. So glory is coming out of this. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, the gospel, the power of Jesus. You are obedient to the power of Jesus. And then you will, they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. When we are, when we experience generosity, many times we are lost for words. Have nothing to say. We just like stand in awe. When we receive the love of Jesus, I never like forget those encounters with his love. We are lost for words. We have nothing to say. It's just, I love you. You're holy. You're worthy. You deserve everything. I want to do, ask two questions as we, I want to ask actually a few questions as we close. Please raise your hand. All eyes open. No, no shame in this. How many of you have experienced the power of God in your life? Keep your hands raised. How many of you ever experienced a healing in your life? You can raise the other hand if necessary. How many of you have experienced a relationship being restored in your life? Keep your hands raised. Now look around this room. Look how many hands are raised. God is still moving today. And he wants us to grasp a hold of how powerful generosity is. And you experienced that most likely because you had people beside you believing for your breakthrough, believing for your healing.